I'm Jim Wills, and this is the Art Unknown Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. Art really fundamentally connects us as, as humans. Art's that historical capture of time. It freezes it for you and jogs your memory and makes you happy. The music in general is just, it's universal. It's that thing that we can all connect over. I, th I think that at the end of the day, art is, is what connects us to, to our souls. Focus on what inspires you and lights you up inside. And that's what's going to light other people up too. So I'm very excited this week on the podcast to talk with a filmmaker. Actually, you are going to be the very first filmmaker that I've talked to on this podcast. So I'm very excited about that. I'm also touched deeply because we share a connection. Your movie that we're going to discuss is called Stray, and it is about the street dogs of Turkey. And so I'm with Elizabeth Lowe. She is a filmmaker who is from Hong Kong, uh, currently calls LA her home, but she went to film school in New York and is a filmmaker, has done shorts. And so her movie Stray is her first full-length documentary. And I'm very excited to talk about that. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for being here. I always start out and I ask the artists that I talk to for an inspiration, uh, something that inspires with them, that they carry with them as, as to, for their art or for their life. And so I want to throw that question out to you as well, an inspiration for you. It can be anything. So, I think for me, my greatest drive in, in being a filmmaker is, is wanting to use the tools of cinema to expand our consideration of people's experiences and beings' experiences, human or not human, mm -hmm. to, to have more empathy and to consider sort of the absolute value that every member, sentient member of our world has. So uh -huh. I think that's my main drive. That's fantastic. That's, that's fantastic inspiration right there. I want to get a little bit into your story, if we can, before we talk about the movie Stray. Uh, would you take us down a path of your journey as a filmmaker, how you got to where you are today? Yeah, growing up in Hong Kong, I always loved watching movies. I wasn't aware of documentary filmmaking yet. But when I went to New York to study film at NYU Tisch, one of these required courses we had to take was a documentary class. And I wanted to make a film about zoo culture, sort of okay. why do people bring their kids to go gawk at animals behind plexiglass. And so <laughs> I started examining the Bronx Zoo and the Central Park Zoo in New mm -hmm. York, because that's where I was. And through the course of making this film that was based on a very simple conceit, why do we bother to look at animals behind glass, I discovered that it was in the 1900s that barely a hundred years ago, barely more than a hundred years ago that New York had housed a human African pygmy in the monkey oh house on display. And shortly after he was released, he committed suicide. And so that really brought together a lot of themes that I care a lot about, which is colonialism growing up in Hong Kong and racism and speciesism, how those three all are interconnected. And so that sure. process of discovering how rich and deep reality can be and the layers of history that are embedded even in a simple institution like a zoo, that made me fall in love with the documentary filmmaking process. Mm. And since then, I've worked 
almost exclusive, mostly exclusively on, on nonfiction film. At what point in your life did you know you wanted to be a filmmaker? In high school, I think. I think I just loved watching movies so much that I thought it would be great if I could go to school where your homework was to watch more movies. <laughs> so I think that's part of the motivation of, of going to film school. And also, I don't consider myself, I feel like I am able to express myself best with the particular language that happens to be film. Sure, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I I love documentaries as well. They're, I mean, I'm a big film fan just in general, but I love documentaries. I've learned so much from them. Uh, documentaries have opened my eyes to a greater world. For me personally, a world of, of plant-based eating and living more in tune with, with nature and things like that. And then to your movie, to the movie that we're going to talk about, Stray, you did a fabulous job, in my opinion, and I'm sure you've heard that before, because it, in capturing what it's like to be a dog in Turkey. And I, I wish that it would be like that everywhere in the world. I had no experience of, of what it was like to be a stray animal other than in the United States. I don't know how it is anywhere else, but you know, in the United States, they were really much against stray animals, even though animals live in nature, squirrels and no birds and things like that. But for some reason, stray dogs and cats, they're rounded up, they're collected, either fostered or put, put down. And me arriving in Turkey and seeing dogs on the street, I was like, okay, I've been to other countries where they've had stray dogs and stray cats, and they all sort of leave humans alone to some degree, or, you know, they chase cars or whatever. But Turkey has a really, really unique way of dealing with stray animals. And I'll let you share that story, if you will. And then if you will, how that led you into making this film. Yeah, I, I think what you're pointing out about Turkey is so true that it has such a unique integration of animals into the urban fabric in a way yeah. that was totally foreign to me also, having grown up in Hong Kong and lived most of my adult life in the States, seeing dogs and cats living their lives outside of the paradigm of being owned by humans and really mm -hmm. being able to make decisions every day on their own about what they want to eat, when they want to eat, where they want to take themselves on walks was incredible to witness. And the reason why I was brought to Turkey was because of this film that I had set out to make a film originally wanting to do a global study of how stray dogs are treated around the world and okay. see what that reveals about the particular society that the film would be embedded in. And when I was researching about which countries had the largest uh, stray dog populations, it was Turkey came up. And it mm. was this really fascinating history that they have where it was in the 1900s as the Ottoman Empire was crumbling. And under the Ottomans, stray dogs really thrived. But it was a British diplomat who came to Istanbul and was chased by a pack of dogs. And he fell to his own death. And in retaliation, outsized mm. retaliation, as is typical of world powers, Britain forced uh, the sultan of uh, the sultan in Turkey to round up all of the stray dogs and banish them to this island where they all starved to death. And right. shortly afterwards, huge fires broke out because no more stray dogs were there to warn the citizens and earthquakes happened and then at World War I followed. And so Istanbulites saw the exiling of the dogs as a curse on Turkey and the city. And so over the next hundred years, even as the Turkish government has tried to conform to Western standards of what an ideal modern city should look like, which like London and Paris doesn't have 
stray animals, stray, stray animals aren't tolerated, people still clung to this historical and cultural relationship that they had with stray animals and fought for their rights to roam freely. And in 2004, they passed these groundbreaking laws that very few other countries have that are so progressive where you're not allowed to euthanize or hold in captivity any healthy stray dog. And so for me, every dog that is in Istanbul right now in Turkey that's roaming freely, they're these walking testaments to human mercy and also their own resilience as, as a species living in a human-dominated world. Absolutely. What, what I found so fascinating, in addition to all of that, is they're actually taken care of by the yeah. people, not the people in the community. So the people in the, in the community will go out and feed them, and there's feeding stations even and, and shelters for them to yeah. get in, especially here where I am. And so they put food out, and there's actually along the beach, there's these little water uh, containers that are hooked up to the main water system for, for the animals yeah. to come drink from. And then they also in Turkey have, uh, I guess, like a 911 for dogs. So if you an animal is hit by a car or injured in some way, you can dial a phone number and a government ambulance will come and take them to the vet. And, the, and all of the dog's care is paid for by, by the government, by the veterinary services. Yeah. It's amazing. And in the limited travel that I've done around the world, they're stray dogs, but they're very afraid of humans or they're not. If they don't know you, they're, they're not so welcoming. And what I found here is the dogs are so welcoming. And in your movie, I thought you did a brilliant job of capturing that and the dogs' interaction with the humans. You actually featured two main dogs in the movie. Did you name them or where did they get their names from? Yeah. Is it Nazar and Zayna, is that right? Or Zayna? Zaytan and Nazar. Zaytan. They're named by the young Syrian men who share the streets with them. And actually these dogs, especially Zaytan, went by different names throughout yeah. the city. Different people would call, give her different names. And you're totally right. The way that these dogs are communally cared for and how well socialized they are is completely a reflection of the temperament and treatment that they receive at the hands of people. That Turkish people in Istanbul especially are so caring for them and so yeah. respectful of their agency and their needs that they are more well socialized than most dogs in LA, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with you. And you know what, and that's actually very true. A lot of times in America, you know, you pass somebody walking their dog, especially depending on the breed, they'll keep them on a short leash because the dog might get aggressive to a stranger. And here, yeah. I, I, you know, we've named dogs that we've seen on a regular basis. We've got Bones and we've got o Old Man Black Nose and we've got this guy whose his foot was crushed in some way. So he's got one foot that's kind of like flat looks like it was run over so he's flat foot you know mm -hmm. and so we see him all the time that there's actually a dog that had some puppies a couple months ago and so we have like fluffy ears little puppy and then we have the runt who's the little the smallest dog and they even those dogs are very very acclimated to human beings being around and they'll come up to you and they'll they say hello and they'll let you pet them and you know if you have a little food they always seem to be looking for some food but and they might follow you for five or five minutes or so. And then they walk off and they go off to somebody else or they go do their thing or they go hang out somewhere else. Talk a little bit about making the film. I read a lot about it, but I'd love for you to share with our audience on that process. Yeah, I think similar to you before coming to a place like Turkey and seeing their relationship with dogs, I also had this idea that a stray animal or a stray dog is someone who's been abandoned or who's mm -hmm. living life without security or love. But it was... So, and that, that cities that had stray animals 
I had this idea, a Western one, that it's these cities are inhumane or that they're not taking care of their animals. Yeah. What I realized over the course of making this film is that it's the exact opposite. It's, it, it's that Istanbul and Turkey in allowing dogs to roam freely are actually the more caring, is the more humane society compared to ours. And, and in making the film, I knew that making a film with stray dogs would be challenging because they don't have handlers. There's no one, sure. you know, you can't send call sheets to any dogs. And so we went out on a technical level. We, we were sponsored by this company called Tractive GPS, which has these tiny pet tracking collars that you mm. can put on dogs. So at the end of every night, we would place them on Zayton and Nazar. So we'd be able to find them the next day with our uh. GPS synced up through our phones. And then it's interesting because we had to really adapt to the schedules of stray dogs, which sure. because they have no jobs, they have no owners um, and they don't want for food because the city is filled with food set out by people. And then in the trash that they find, yeah. we, we had to adapt to their schedule, which was oftentimes Zayton wouldn't wake up until 5 PM. <laughs> and at first we were really nervous. And sometimes we'd even try to bribe her with food, but she wouldn't even take it because her diet was so much richer that she could find on her own. Sure, sure. And so, and then the way that we followed the dogs was we knew that it was really important. I knew it was really important for the film to be shot at their eye level because I wanted to see the world through their eyes. And that's what cinema was able to allow us to do without words, without language. You could show people what dogs are seeing. And so we developed a contraption, I suppose, which mostly was just my body crouching low <laughs> with a stabilizer and a camera hanging off of an uh, easy rig vest yeah. that would offset the weight from the camera onto my hips. Yeah. And just followed dogs throughout the day for hours and see what they see and, and hear what they hear. <laughs> how, how did you choose those two dogs specifically? Were they like, was that like the first dog you came upon or? No, we, 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 we tried to scout and cast with many different dogs throughout the city. We, we looked at which dogs seemed to have the most diverse habits, the okay. widest range through the city. And one day Zeynep Kopilu, my co-producer who's based in Istanbul and I were just wandering in this really busy underground tunnel. And suddenly we see these two gigantic dogs weaving between people's feet in a real hurry somewhere. And yeah. it really piqued our interest because, you know, where do stray dogs have to go? They have no families, they have no <laughs> jobs. What appointments <laughs> do they have to keep? And it, right. they, these dogs happen to be Zaytan and Nazar. And they were on okay. the heels of the young Syrian men who become a prominent part of the film. And the reason yeah. why they were cast is I was really moved by this on and off again relationship they had with the young kids who are living on the streets with them because yeah. they were providing this warmth to the young men who had been displaced from their own country on a sense of belonging despite not having homes. And then also Zayton emerged as a star because she was so singular in her stubbornness and her mm -hmm. independence and her ease in front of the camera that she was one of the only dogs who didn't follow us back. Many of the other dogs that we filmed with would sort of look to us to ask where are we headed next, which completely defeated the purpose of the film, which was sure. to truly authentically try to hand the narrative over to a dog instead of having my desires and my intentions dictate where the film should go. I wanted the film to be an exercise in letting go of that narrative to a non-human gaze. And Zayton was independent and active enough that she was able to do that. Like she would just ignore us when we'd show up <laughs> and then she would just go off and I would just follow her. Yeah, there's a there's one shot and one scene in the film where you're like chasing behind her and the camera's all shaky and wobbly. And it's like, yeah. obviously 
she had a mission and you wanted to follow that mission. And, um, and so instead of just letting her run off, uh, you know, you're like, let's follow this dog. And you did a masterful job of shooting it. I think shooting it from the dog level and their point of view was brilliant. And, and it was also, I thought really a great way to wrap like stray, you know, it's really a double entendre because you're talking about the dogs, but in the Mm -hmm. film, you also, without really discussing it, you're talking also about those Syrian boys, the street boys, mm-hmm. you know, which are strays there as well and out of their, out of their, their own home country and, and finding their way in the world. Did you find a range that the dogs traveled in? Like seeing dogs here, we see the same dogs kind of, not every day, but you'll see them and then they'll disappear for a few days, but then they're back on the same corner or the yeah. same area. And I always wonder how big their range is. Do they range in many kilometers or do they stay kind of localized? Did you find? I think based on my observations of Zayton and Nazar, it seemed like their range was, they would span neighborhoods and districts. They would cross Mm -hmm. the phosphorus bridge and go into different districts, searching for food or following whatever happened to pique their interest, whether it was a cat they were chasing through a park or a group of people who they happened to take an interest to and followed around, or even me. I think based on the GPS tracking collars that we used overnight, it would be really interesting because you'd see that they, you know, at late into the hours of the night, they would travel for blocks and blocks outside yeah. of you know, the place where they had settled to sleep. So it's still a mystery to me. And I'm sure every dog has different habits. There are some dogs that are super lazy probably and just stay around <laughs> a few blocks, but a dog like Zayton, she was super active, super curious. And so her range was really wide through the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have an idea of how old those dogs were, Zayton and Nazar? Based on Zayton's personality, and also you see in the film, older men are guessing at her age too. I think she's probably around one or two. And Nazar is probably a little older. So she's a little more mature and more grounded and less playful um, than Zayton is. And and supposedly the lifespan of, of these dogs is is not that high, like around like five years or four years. Mm. But I really don't believe that because a lot of the dogs that we saw on the streets, they're old. You can see that they have like whites on their faces. So they've got to be at least eight or nine or 10. Yeah, um, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always, I wonder what, like, we see a lot of people here that have apartment dogs, I'll call them, you know, that are small, small little dogs that, that are they're owned and they live inside. And I often wonder what the street dogs think of those apartment dogs, like, you're on a leash and a collar and you're a captive or do they They wonder like, what's it like to be inside and warm at night? You know, who knows? We don't know what really goes on in the dog's (laughs) mind, but I know that one of the dogs that we were filming with, that's not in the film, his name is Alton. It was in a different city. He got rounded up by the government because he had become a nuisance dog and was barking at cars and people complained and reported him. And Mm. so we actually rescued him from the shelter and Zainab, my co-producer, adopted him. And Aww. this transition of him from a street dog to a pet dog was really challenging. And he's made it through. But I think getting used to the leash was really difficult for him. And also he would only play with other street dogs and would get into fights with pet dogs in the park. So I think oh, wow. in the minds of street dogs and probably pet dogs, there is a distinction. They know there's a difference between those who are owned and those who aren't. But now it's sure. been two years and he's now he plays well with all dogs. But certainly yeah, good. when he first transitioned for him, there was a, there, it seemed like there was a difference. And yeah. dogs, yeah. I think they know everything. I think they know a lot. So they must know what it means to be at the end of a leash or for another dog to be at the end of a leash. 
Yeah. I, I had read that you, um, you had a, I don't, you can confirm or deny, but I had read that you had a, a childhood dog that had mm-hmm. passed away and was somewhat of an inspiration for this journey of, of learning about dogs. Um, I had a dog for 11 years that died last year two year, in 2019. I always forget we're <laughs> moving ahead. And, uh, you know, and I, I used to often say that he was much like, I think that he was a higher being of consciousness than I am. He taught me so much about life, you know, and, and he had a wisdom about him that, that I could, I felt I could only connect to, you know, kind of on a mental level, you know, because I couldn't communicate with him through words. But I really think that sometimes that dogs have a wisdom that we don't even, we, we as humans can't really comprehend. I mean, Diogenes, who's quoted throughout the film, he was yeah. a Greek philosopher who lived thousands of years ago, and he modeled his whole philosophy uh, called cynicism around street dogs, observing street dogs, because he believed that they showed more the qualities that we aspired to than humans did, which is to not care about wealth, not care about property, to not sure. be beholden to the customs that we cling on to so dearly as humans. And so... I think it's uh, must be some on some level true that that dogs are there's so much to learn from them and also Absolutely. they're they evolved with us so they're constantly observing us I was reading this book by Alexandra Horowitz who is a dog cognitive uh, scientist and mm-hmm. she writes in her book Inside of a Dog that dogs are the greatest anthropologists because they're constantly observing us in minute detail. And I also found that to be true with Zayton and Nazar, who I filmed with. The whole time I thought I was just observing them and documenting their lives. But there are so many moments in the film, if you see the way that they're reacting to the camera or to the the people around me where they suddenly start barking, it's because they're actually protecting me from people who are maybe harassing me. And, And it's, and even though that's not explicitly in the film, you realize that they were so attentive to my micro expressions, sure. far more than I myself. What, once, once they, once you, they realized that you were there, and they adopted you as part of their own family, and then yeah, that you became became part of their tribe, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, dogs are that's... so great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to ask you, <laughs> what's that? unobjectively and unabashedly i'll say that dogs are, are really the <laughs> i i agree i agree and i even you know we didn't the film the film was about dogs and they also have cats here and that you know cats are their own particular species and very different from dogs but there's cats on the corner here and almost every day i'll stop and i just tap on the wall and the cats come running up and i and there's two of them that are very friendly and i know initially they were coming looking for food because that's where they get fed but these two cats in particular, they just want to come say hi and they want to, you know, come get a little greeting and they hang out and they kind of cuddle for a minute and then they go about their, their business. I wish you a ton of success with this film. I think it's really great. And I hope that everybody, everybody who has a dog watches it because it's, or even cares about dogs or, you know, I, I really think that the world can take a lesson from what Turkey has done in, in dealing with, with dog populations and cat populations in the way they're treated and the way they're taken care of and the way they're respected in this population and live among us as, you know, as a squirrel does or as a bird does and yeah. yet still interact with us. It's so, it's so great. So I wish you so much success on that. Uh, I know we don't have a lot of time. I would like to ask you a couple of deep questions if I can about art in general. Being the first filmmaker, I wanted to ask you why we should care about film or about art in general. I think 
I don't, that's a hard question to, to answer, but I think it's always been elevating when I've experienced films that are transformative. I feel like it makes me able to understand the world better and to have, I feel like it probably does the same thing that meditation does, which is mm. to open mind and heart to have a greater capacity than, than in your daily life you're aware of. And those moments in a museum or in a cinema can be transformative on a mental level, which I'm sure has an impact in the way you live your life in the small decisions that you make throughout your life, having that tiny bits of mental expansion through every film that is seen that is good or every piece of art that is, <laughs> is good. Sure, sure, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I imagine the impact is, at least for humans. I don't know for animals what, it, what it's like, but at least the art that we make for each other, that seems like the best kind of art does that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you find making the film, um, like you talked about how the dogs were protective of you or, or they kind of like brought you in. How was it interacting with humans? There are several shots in the film where the dogs are just kind of hanging out the street and you're filming sort of from a distance and there's people walking by and there's people either interacting or and or ignoring the dogs. How did they interact with you as a, as a filmmaker? Did you have problems with humans wanting to be part of it or did they leave I you found- alone? I was very surprised by how hospitable and warm and welcoming um, Turkish people were towards me as a foreigner and as an outsider. I think people were quite baffled by why we were hanging around these stray dogs, filming their every (laughs) movement for hours upon hours each day, because for them, maybe they grew up with this. So it was nothing out of the ordinary to see packs of roaming dogs uh, freely living their lives. But for me, it was such an exotic phenomenon that I wanted to document um, carefully I think yeah it was interesting like the way people I didn't understand Turkish and so the conversations that are recorded in the film they were uh, picked up by this bi-directional microphone that uh, Zeynep or Ceylan my co-producers would pick up as we were filming the conversations Mm -hmm. that were happening around Zaytan and every time that we explain to people, oh, this is just a film about what a dog sees and hears. People's guards would really come down. And and also I think because I was an outsider not understanding what they were saying, they also maybe felt less self-conscious about what we were filming. And so that gave us access to so many intimate moments that had had this been a film about something else, um, maybe people would have been less welcoming. But I was, I think Istanbul is one of my favorite cities based on the way people were towards me. Like waiters would come out with cups of tea and set it on the curb sidewalk if they saw me crouching with the dogs, Aww. which I've never experienced in any other city in my <laughs> limited really travel. Cool. Yeah. So I was really blown away by the hospitality culture of, of Turkey. There's some really funny lines, the, 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 the bit of dialogue that is in the movie, there's some really funny lines from the people. And I, I gather like that could only have come because they were having conversations that the camera, they ignored you and the camera, or they, like you said, they let their guard down knowing that you weren't there to film them. And just some of the, just some of the dialogue is hilarious. Yeah. One last question, if I may, what, what piece of advice would you give to someone who's starting out in specifically as a filmmaker who wants to do film? And I know this is your first, your first full length documentary, but it's so impactful. And I think it's going to have huge, huge success. 
what piece of advice could you give to somebody? I think throughout making this film, I had a lot of doubt in the idea because it was so idiosyncratic and weird and strange as a film without much dialogue and trying to look at humans through the eyes of dogs. But in the end, lots of people have expressed how the film resonates with them. And so mm. I suppose if something resonates with you as a filmmaker, and if there are ideas or subject matter that maybe other people consider too insignificant to make a film about, which many people saw this pitch and, and felt that way about dogs, that nothing is too trivial. If you believe it's important and meaningful, other people will too at some point once you finish the film, usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, you know, that's like stick, you know, stick to your conviction. If you believe in it, stick to your convictions. And, uh, you know, if it's, if it rings true with you, it will ring true with others. I really, I, I agree with you hundred percent there that yeah, you will find the audience. Right. Yeah. You're not that different from other people probably. <laughs> sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. I know you don't have a lot of time and uh, you're becoming a big time director now. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I really appreciate you taking the time to chat a little bit about the film and a little bit about um, filmmaking. I, I encourage everybody to check out Stray. If people want to find out more about you, where, where's the best place for them to get in touch with you or connect? Uh, my website, www.elizabeth-low.com has all my short films and my contact and at Elizabeth BK Low is my Instagram and Twitter is at Liz BK Low. So those are all the channels that I can be reached at. Okay. Fantastic. I, I really appreciate your time again. Thank you so much. And I hope that I hope that this this story that you've shared uh, reaches a, a really large audience and helps to open up a bigger conversation about how we treat the animals in our lives and how we may um, further connect with them rather than just see them as pets or or ownership because these dogs really are living free. And I, I want to say one last thing on the movie. I won't give it away, but my wife had said that she, the ending of the film, uh, the last shot to the film, one of the best, one of the best scenes in the whole movie. Uh, it was just so good. So yeah, yeah. you did a great job with the movie. I, again, wish you all the success. Thank you so much. Bye. The music for this episode of the podcast is from the soundtrack for the movie Stray. It features original music composed by Allie Helmwine. Please check out the soundtrack for Stray and more of Allie Helmwine's music wherever you listen to your music. Now that the episode is over, I encourage all of you to check out the movie Stray. It is available for digital and on-demand streaming everywhere. Just go to straymovie.com. I want to thank the people of Turkey for taking care of the street dogs and cats, and especially in Antalya, to Bones, Old Man Black Nose, Flatfoot, and Scarface, and all the rest of the street dogs that will always give you a smile and a tail wag whenever you stop to say hi and give them a scratch behind the ear. I think everybody around the world can learn to love dogs a little more and treat dogs with respect and dignity the way they do here in Turkey. We can all take a lesson from that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Art Unknown podcast. To check out even more work from some of our artists, head on over to artunknownstore.com. Once again, that's artunknownstore.com where you'll find the best in sustainable athleisure wear and accessories. 
And as a special bonus, podcast listeners get 10% off any purchase. Just enter the code AUPODCAST10 when you check out for your 10% discount. Once again, that's artunknownstore.com. Thanks again for listening. Please give a little love to some animals today. And of course, remember to take care of one another. And always feed your soul with art. Oh.